It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Jeff Corhan. He's the host of this old new business podcast, Shades of Bob Villa, I think, right? Uh, speaker, <laughs> trainer, and author of a great book called Built-in Social, Essential Social Marketing Practices for Every Small Business. Jeff, welcome to Accelerate. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. So just take a minute, introduce yourself, to sort of tell us how you got your start in this business. Well, that goes back a long ways. I'm, I'm older than most people in the digital space. So I spent, after college, I was 10 years in a corporate position, sales and marketing. I worked for a big oil company. Then I just kind of felt that wasn't for me. I, I wanted to have something with a bit of a more challenge, uh, which I discovered small business gladly hands it to you. Uh, <laughs> day so, after day after day. <laughs> absolutely. So I started a landscape business. I owned and operated that for 20 years. It was a great ride. I had a little bit of good fortune in selling that business in 2008, right about when real estate and uh, what the kind of work we did, design build work, uh, was taking a nosedive. Mm-hmm. And Time is everything. Well, ex exactly. I mean, that was just, you, you look back and you're like, wow, how did that happen? But I'm kind of glad it did because I was already beginning to do some work in the digital space. I've always been in marketing. I was very fascinated by digital marketing and blogging especially. So that's kind of was the beginning for me. And so real quick story, I, I had sold the business. I've got a lot of time on my hands. I was doing professional speaking, but you know, you don't speak every day when you're just getting started with it. So I thought, well, this blogging thing is kind of interesting and other people are doing it. Well, you know, why can't I? So I started doing that and it actually attracted speaker bureaus and all kinds of other cool things like, um, uh, the most interesting to me was when I got this email from somebody at Technorati who is no longer in existence, mm -hmm. but at that time they ranked all of the, uh, the blogs in the blogosphere, we called it. And the guy said, I want to advertise on your blog. And I said, why in the world would you want to do that? And he says, well, you're one of the top 100 small business blogs in the world. And I was kind of astonished. I says, this guy's pulling my legs. So I went and searched through their list and I thought I must be down here number 500 or something. And there I was at like number 54 or thereabouts. And, you know, it was really, you know, those were pretty cool times. You know, Twitter was new. There was kind of this intimacy in the digital space. But, uh, you know, here we are and it's kind of a whole different game. But, but, but being there at the, you know, kind of the beginning, uh, you know, you learn a lot and you kind of have a better sense of reality about where things are going and can go and, and maybe shouldn't be going. Well, gosh, between you and Marcus Sheridan, we could landscape our whole backyard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's the pool guy. He's the pool guy. You're the landscape guy. That's fantastic. So what is it about landscapers and, and, and pool guys that have become these digital marketing experts? Well, he has uh, a different story, uh, but I think they're very similar in that yeah. uh, we 
use digital as a way to accomplish something that wasn't working for us, meaning advertising is expensive. And ironically, if you read the introduction of my book, I explain in there that I was doing content marketing before it even had a name. This is like 1988. I'd left the corporate world. And, you know, it's, it's really astonishing how you can have an MBA and have focused on marketing. But when you get out there in the small business world, you realize I don't have a clue how this works. And so I started educating myself. And the more I educated myself, the more kind of confused I got about why are they doing this? And these guys over here are not doing it that way at all. And then I kind of had this insight. I thought, you know, if I'm confused, maybe the buyer is confused. And so that's when I started, instead of just promoting with my advertising, I created educational ads like this is the correct way to prune and you should be doing this and have you considered this. And much of the time they would say, I didn't know that. And, and why is nobody else doing that? And, you know, my whole theory was if I... I am educated myself in this discipline and I can educate the buyer, then logically they will be attracted to me. And so basically in a nutshell, I was doing what today we call content marketing, you know, before it had a name. And, um, you know, so when social media came along, it was sort of like, you just kind of had a hunch that this was something that's going to be pretty cool because it was really just a transition of that old way of marketing that, that worked, uh, you know, it, it's no different than relationship selling really in my mind. Well, yeah, I, I want to jump into that a little bit later because I think that's a really interesting thing to talk about. But maybe just start transitioning from, you know, looking at your own transition, your own evolution is, yeah, in the beginning of your book, you have uh, some, I guess, six lessons for small businesses about social marketing. Uh, but I thought the first three were sort of interesting because like I said I think they sort of trace how, what you went through. And the first one was is that you don't need to know everything about social media to get started. It's just jump in and go. Correct. I mean, because how did I get into this? It wasn't really social media. It was SEO. And I was really frustrated with why I my website, my landscaping company's website, ranked on like page seven of a Google search when I thought we were pretty much one of the more prominent, if not the best company in town. In fact, I, I totally feel we were for what we did. And that's when I started learning about keywords and made a discovery. I was optimizing for words like landscape, um, landscape architects. We had architects, landscape designers, fine stonework, which is one of our specialties. Mm -hmm. I surveyed my customers and they used, I said, you know, which are the words you would use to find a company like us? 90% of them said landscaper. And if you're from the industry, you know that landscaper is to uh, is what uh, janitor is to custodial engineer. It's it's not a word that somebody in the industry is fond of. <laughs> I'm a landscape architect. Thank you very much. Exactly. So I thought, well, hey, I can feed my ego, or I can rank highly, and so or feed my family. Exactly. So I optimized for landscaper within uh, I think two months. I was on page one, which in within ninety days I was I had two listings, two of the top listings on page one. But the most amazing thing was um, after I sold that business, three years after I sold that business, they finally buried my website. But up until that time, I remained on page one, even though nothing was being done to that website. So it says something about the fact that most people are not doing it correctly, if at all. Mm -hmm. And if, if you do a few things right, like you just said, you know, you don't have to know everything, but if you do a few things well, then uh, you're, you're, you're going to have an edge over the competition. Right. So but I think that's really key for small businesses. And we have a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs that listen to this is that 
is that it's that first step. You know, Zatensi want to, yeah, I want to master this before I make that first step, right? Because I'm, I'm nervous because it's scary to them. And people are afraid of putting themselves sort of out there and on the line. So, so how do you help them sort of overcome those fears to, in the work you do, just get started, take that first step? You know, I, I, I get it. Uh, first of all, I would suggest that they get on Stephen Pressfield's blog and read that because uh, he, he wrote The War of Art. He just put out a, um, a new book, which is a follow-up to that, which I can't say online. It's Nobody Wants to Read Your S.H. Uh, Star T. Right. Uh, that's the title. Fascinating book. I'm really enjoying it. But, you know, we fear what we want most. And so when I left the corporate world, walking away from a paycheck, I, I said, this might be the stupidest thing you've ever done, Jeff. And uh, I, I had the same fear, uh, you know, when I, you know, tried to get a book deal, then I was kind of happy I never got a book deal because I, you don't have to do anything. It's not my fault. Nobody will give me a book deal. But when you get one, you realize, you know, now it's up to you to deliver. And mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I had one major meltdown. I got through <laughs> chapter five. I was on deadline. I was three weeks from deadline. And I says, this is the worst book. Nobody's going to read this thing. And I started over. Uh, but it's almost like you have to get out there. You have to fail. This is why Seth Godin you know, tells everybody to fail fast. Well, I failed a little bit slowly. I wished I'd failed on chapter one. Uh, and that would have saved a lot of time. But, you know, you have to create a result and say, okay, um, I can do this. I can start to see it. I can get close enough to see it. And I do know that what I've created is, is a poor draft. So we're going to start over. And we're going to do it right. Which is exactly why we talked in the pre-show. I'm launching a new website, a new company. Um, and I was going through my folders this uh, this morning. This thing has been two years in the making, sort of. I mean, that's how long it's taken me to get the guts to put it together and decide on a theme and a purpose and everything else. But in actually putting it together, it's only been a few months. Mm -hmm. And what I put on the web this weekend is going to be... It's what they call a minimum viable product. I'm actually putting it out there to get some feedback and, and we'll find out and we'll fix it and we'll make it better, you know, later. But, you know, that's the world we live in these days. We're living in a dirt digital first world, which means just about everything can be made better. So let's not try to make it perfect. Let's just put something out there, get some feedback. I mean, this is the whole idea of, um, you know, not selling your customers products and services, but selling them possibilities, taking them to a better place than they had imagined by sitting down and doing this thing we call content marketing, meaning put great information out there about your capabilities, showing them that you understand them and their worldview and their, their struggles and so forth, and then coming together in the middle with, with uh, you know, a collaborative effort to create something really cool for them. Yeah, and that's, so that first step because I, I just I'm gonna focus on that for just a second. It's, it's, that's to me that's always the hardest one, right? When I work with small businesses a lot, and we talk about this need for developing content marketing strategy, creating some expertise and authority around you know their area of expertise. It's like writing that first word, writing that first blog, you know, finding a piece of content to share something is 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 hard for them for some reason. So how do you, how do you work with companies to get them to have that? sort of that discipline and schedule and consistency. You, granted, it's not perfect, but just to get started. You know, everybody's different. And believe me, I, I'm a 
bit of a perfectionist. So I understand that uh, it's tougher for people like me. Some people have, they, they understand that done is better than perfect. You'll hear people say that, but I, not that I try to make things perfect, but there's just something in the way I'm wired that makes it that I don't want to put something out there that I think is, you know, not up to my standards. But really, I think it's like I said, creating a result. So there's a lot of ways to do this. It's in, in as far as digital marketing goes, it's to pick one thing and do it to the best of your abilities. So for me, that's my newsletter. I, I make a personal commitment and I make a commitment to my uh, readership, my audience to say, look, you will get my absolute best. Sometimes those newsletters take 90 minutes to put together. Sometimes they take six hours, mm -hmm. but, but that's sort of my anchor. And so maybe to put this in a different context, I think I was listening to Tim Ferriss's blog and he was sharing an idea from, he said, a Buddhist monk that said, you know, make your bed every day, you know, accomplish one thing and, and get that sense of accomplishment. And it becomes sort of the rudder for the rest of the day. You know, you, you feel good, you did something. And so really it's taking anything like that and, and doing it well uh, consistently. And so the whole idea is we are creating media in this digital space. So uh, you have to show up on a consistent basis because your audience isn't always going to show up. But if you're not showing up, <laughs> then they definitely are not going to show up. So you have to be there for them when they show up and when you are, you know, and you're putting out good information and, and doing whatever that your business does, then you're more likely to grow that audience. And that's, that's really what this comes down to. Yeah. So write something. Yeah. It could be 200 words, could be 300 words, or record a short video off your iPhone, something. You know, the tools are there that make it very easy. And this fear of people, which I think is one of the things that stops a lot of people is they think people are going to be judging them, is that you know, people really, for the most part, despite what we see sort of in the Twitter sphere, is that most people don't have time to judge you. I mean, they're, if they don't like it, they're not going to keep on reading it, but they're not going to you know, tell you you're an idiot. You're just not going to get an audience for it. So put something out there and you'll find your audience. Sure, sure. Well, this is all like, I think, exercising, you know, you, you're going to get stronger. You, you have to practice. And if you don't know how it's done, like, like, take, for example, writing. You know, I always thought I was a great writer and, and I still do, but I'm much better than I <laughs> was yesterday and mm -hmm. the time before that and the time before that. Because what am I working on most? I'm working on speed. I'm working on pushing myself to say, you can do this in less time. If I look to the right here, I've got a log where I'm logging my time. I want to know how long it takes to do these podcasts the, when I'm the podcast host, how long it takes to write an article, how long it takes to do a newsletter, because I, I want to get over that hump for me, which is you know trying to make it too perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm sitting on the couch next to my wife, and we're maybe watching TV, but we're, you know, got our laptops open, we're doing some last minute work as the evening goes on, and she'll watch me try to write an email. <laughs> it's painful for her because I edit so much. It's like, she's like, just send it already. It's fine. Just send it. Just hit send. Just hit send. So, yeah, I understand that, wanting to make things perfect. So, uh, you have another lesson, which I like, which I think be great to explain to the people listening is just talk about be the one that owns the game design your own game to assure your business success so what does it mean to own the game own your game 
you know, I'm not even sure what I said in there, but I'll, I'll take a shot. Well, you at said this. the one that owns the game. This is your lesson number three. Is yeah, the one that owns the game always has an advantage. Design your own game to ensure assure your business success. Now, success. Now, I, I, I know how I interpreted that, but uh, I was wondering how, which how you interpreted it. I interpret that in a number of ways, but I, I was probably getting into, you know, have a way of doing things that is sort of a signature way and even go so far as to put a name to that. So, you know, we are we are podcasting here or you're you're the host. I'm the guest. Uh, but we have people out there like uh, John Lee Dumas with EO Fire. He was the first one to have a daily podcast. So he's doing and, and he had a different format, I think, a little bit different than other podcasters. So it, it's really, uh, you know, Joe Polizzi at the Content Marketing Institute calls this your tilt, finding that intersection of your, your passion and your strengths and capabilities and what that audience wants. And it's not easy to find, you know, but it's, it's, it's you get out there, try a few things and, and, you know, find a way of doing things and, you know, make that your signature way. And so when I go back to how I operated my landscape business, you know, at that time, at least in residential landscaping, most of the time, unless you were a really big company, you met the homeowner at their house mm -hmm. or maybe at a coffee shop. I made the decision that, you know, we had pretty nice offices, nice enough that we were going to require them to come to our office. And that kind of added a level of professionalism, you know, that, that, you know, I've got the doctor doesn't make house calls and neither does the accountant. I've got to go see them. And I'll tell you, it really worked. It kind of uh, we were, you know, we started dressing up the conference room, putting our awards on the wall, pictures of projects we'd completed, educating the staff on how to greet people. And we really made it an experience. And, and that just transformed everything. And so it was really saying, look, if if everybody is selling and marketing in this way, we have to be different. We have to come up with a way to do things that people say, huh, you know, that that seems like it might be a better way of doing things. Let's give it a try. And if you deliver on that, uh, that, that promise, then, then you stand out. And so um, this is just something I learned in a coaching program I was in at the time. It's really breaking down how you do things, finding those really big successes, breaking them down, and then reassembling them and saying, this is our way, testing it with uh, prospective buyers and customers, and then just refining it and making it better. But most important, putting a name to it, putting a logo to that process, and selling that because what you're really selling, when, when you're selling the process, you're selling the possibility of something that do, doesn't yet exist, which means price competition just went out the window because, you know, you're going to take that buyer to a better place. And so it worked tremendously well for us. And like I said, in this digital world, it's, it's going to work that much easier. Yeah. Now, sort of extending that, though, is so one of your chapters in the book is about designing your business around social media. And that's obviously the theme of the book. But when you talk about designing again, designing your business around social. So again, sort of define what tell people what you meant by that. You know, that was something I heard from Mark Zuckerberg probably around 2010. And thank you for noticing that because that is actually what I wanted the title to be, but the publisher didn't like it. <laughs> uh, but it was the idea of um what we've just been talking about is is to build your business around the audience and what they want, not what you can do, not what you think they 
should be doing, you know, starting with the problem, starting with the audience and saying, you know, let's get to know them better than anybody else and build what they want to build by, by doing two things, learning what their pain points are, what their dreams and desires are, and then marrying that with our capabilities to create something better than they had possibly imagined and maybe even better than we had imagined because obviously it, it, it has to be a fit with that audience, with that, I guess we would call that a marketplace. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting distinction, your choice of words. And it's, you know, I don't think most businesses really put that, put it in that light. You talk about an audience. You know, you, you, yeah, it could be a marketplace. But really with social, you really do have, you do have an audience for the content that you're putting out. Sure, you know, and I've not used that word marketplace right after I said it that I haven't used that word in months, if not even years, because I think in terms of audiences now. And so let's go back to when I was in that MBA program. We didn't know, and this is in the book, you know, when you know, you'd get in the hallways after classes, literally, I thought it was just me, but no, it was everybody else saying, you know, what is a market? Is it a, is it a place? Is it a group of people? Is it a demographic? You know, we, we struggled with this, you know, because it was really this intangible thing. And so I, I guess I'll have to quote Mark Zuckerberg again. And so that's what he said, you know, years and years ago, he says, look, just go out and, and, Make friends. You know, that was his way of what do you do with social media? And by that, you know, the extension of that is get to know those people, learn, you know, if you're a business, what they want and, and, and make it for them. Right. And thinking, I think, thinking about it in terms of an audience, especially if you're uh, doing as you, again, further talk about and recommend in your book, which is that every company basically now is a media company. And if you're a media company, then the people you're speaking to are an audience, they're your followers. Right. That's a beautiful thing of, of the world we live in today is we are the media. And when people really internalize that and, and really understand that what we have to say matters, but of course, what that audience has to say matters too, meaning it, what, what everybody has to say matters. And so this is kind of the interesting paradox is collectively the voice of the consumer is much stronger than that of any business. So if you're a smart digital marketer, you are trying to leverage what they have to say. You're trying to get them to talk about you because uh, the more they're talking about you, the less you have to do it, and, and the better it is because they are more credible. Yeah, and I think the difference with the media these days, especially if we're talking about ourselves as small businesses, as media companies, is that it's less about broadcast and more about conversation. Exactly, exactly. It, it's not just what's being said, but it's how it's being said. And it's the interaction. Oh, absolutely. Right. It, it's it, again, it's, it's getting a response and getting another response saying, hmm, you know, this this is interesting. You know, this is we're 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 talking about something that's relevant and we are both getting feedback, meaning I'm listening to the consumer. Let's say this uh, business is listening to me. Everybody feels good about that exchange. And hopefully you, you, you use that information, you're recording it, you're, you're taking advantage of that, and you're uh, building a better business with that. Yeah, and really without the interaction, it's sort of hard to take it to that next level of really building that trust and turning that audience member into a potential buyer. Right, right. So for me, this is a little bit easier because I started my career in sales and it was it was definitely relationship selling. I mean, it was like I said, working for a big oil company, and there was very little training. 
And I basically was sent out on the road. My territory was this little territory called North America. And I thought, hmm, great, okay, so what do I do with this? <laughs> and I thought, not knowing, I'm, I'm not kidding you, I did not know what I was supposed to be doing. So I just went out there and started talking to people and listening to them. And some interesting things happened. Uh, the, 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 the blue chip accounts that always bought, they kept on buying. But the little guys or the mid-sized companies, let's call them, that nobody paid attention to much before, uh, they started buying. And so all I was really doing was listening and taking that back to the, you know, the corporate office and saying, you know, here's what they're saying. You know, what can we do about this? You know, he needs a penny a gallon that'll make him competitive with his competitors, so forth. And, uh, you know, or they, they want bulk discounts or, you know, whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was basically selling commodities, but, you know, there's always something more you can do for the customer. And sometimes just listening to them is, is the best thing you can do for them. Even if you can't do anything for them after that, you know, just the fact that they feel like, okay, at least I'm understood, you know, I'll stick with this company or I'll do more business with them. Or if you can't do something for them right then, they'll remember that. And the next time you have something that might be more relevant, they'll want to do business with you. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So now I move to the last segment of the show. I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And the, the first one is a hypothetical scenario. And in this scenario, you, Jeff, have just been hired as VP of sales at a company whose sales have stalled out. And the CEO is anxious to get its sales unstuck and back on track. And so you're put in charge of the sales turnaround. So what, what two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? I think the, I'm, I'm new on this job. Yeah, this is your first week. VP of sales. What two things could you do the first week that could have the biggest impact in terms of starting to turn things around? Pretty much, I think, what we just talked about, listening. I would be listening to that sales team and trying to sort out uh, you know, how well we are working together. Are, are we really a team or do we have people competing with each other and trying to outdo each other? Not that there's anything wrong with being competitive, but are we working together for the betterment of, of the company? I would want to understand what that company's goals are and objectives are and, you know, what have they tried and what haven't they tried? And I would certainly want to get out there and meet those customers. But you're saying I have to make an impact within a week? No, I would I'm say it. Yeah, well, I mean, meeting customers, that's a good answer. I would really want to know more about the culture more than anything, mm -hmm. uh, the team, how would they get along, what are they trying to accomplish, what's going on in their lives. Uh, you know, you, you hate to, you're going to hear some things you probably didn't want to hear, but it would really be an exercise of, of soaking in information and just trying to, you know, pull that together and, and bring everybody together and, and find that unity to, uh, to understand, you know, how, you know, do we have to make some changes with people? Why are we not working well together? You know, why is right. everybody stuck? Okay, cool. So, some rapid-fire questions for you. One-word answers, or you can elaborate if you wish. And the first one is when you, Jeff, are out selling your own services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? <laughs> My most powerful sales attribute that I care. That's number one. But it's, it's more than that. I, I like to think that I can contribute something that nobody else can. And the truth is that applies to so many of my other competitors. So I'm looking for a good fit. I'm looking for somebody that, um, that I feel like there's, there's a potential for a trustworthy relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so basically I'm looking for chemistry more than anything. If, if, if I feel like they're excited about this and I'm excited about it, then I know it's a good thing and, and we're going to proceed. Okay. 
Who's your sales role model? There are many, uh, but I, I would have to say that the guy that saved my sales career was Zig Ziglar because uh, I just I just absorbed that guy's cassette tape. So that mm -hmm. tells you how long ago that was. But it was really helping me to respect the profession of selling and to understand that it is a great profession, that you're, you're helping people you know, to better their situation. It really got me excited about the profession. So I would say he, he was number one. And um, I learned a lot from my um, uh, second boss I had in that corporate world who really taught me, you know, just a lot about how to uh, just keep things organized, to uh, to do the work and to stay with it and to always, you know, look look for, you know, as Zig would say, you know, always assume that the that the buyer is guilty of buying me. <laughs> you know, you, know, you say, I'm not going to make the sale. Well, he was always, you know, you, you always think you're going to make the sale. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't. Right. All right. Besides your own book, what's one book every small business owner should read? Once again, I have so many books uh, that I would recommend. I would, the, the one that I strongly recommend more than anything, it's a marketing book. It's not a sure. selling book, but it's Content Inc. by Joe Polizzi. Great book. He talks at length about that audience and really how to use your media to be helpful and to accomplish uh, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish with that audience. But it's the whole basis of the book is being focused on the audience first. And if you get that right, they'll tell you what to do next. And you don't have to do a whole lot of thinking after that. You just do what that audience wants from you. And, and you know, you're going to succeed. Excellent. Okay, last question for you is what music's on your playlist these days? <laughs> I have a very eclectic mix of music. <laughs> I actually just signed up for the Spotify premium, so we'll see what I'm going to get into. But uh, I still listen to a ton of music from the 70s. Uh, believe, I, I pretty much only listen when I'm running, but there's a lot of disco in there, uh, believe it or not. Bee Gees, there's some Jackson Brown, there's uh, Linkin Park, so something more relevant. Uh, a little, little more recent, 90s. <laughs> We're getting up there, counting crows, <laughs> things like that. So it's really just, you know, I I listen to what inspires me. And, um, you know, so I don't keep up so much with, with the current music, but there's a lot of indie rock. I don't even know whose work it is, but when I hear it, I'm like, wow, I like that song. I should probably figure out who that is and go buy it. But yeah, I guess I'm, I've got a very small playlist. And then I, I listen to a lot of instrumental works that I listen to because I'm writing a lot and I need that kind of work to uh, basically just keep me calm down and focused. All right. Excellent. Well, good. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you for being on the show today. So tell people how they can find out more about you. The easiest way to find me is uh, by going to jeffcorhan.com. That's J-E-F-F-K-O-R-H-A-N.com. If you happen to be a green industry business, I am launching a new site and business called Landscape Digital Institute, which is basically helping small not necessarily small, but but green industry businesses like landscape and lawn care companies to uh, use this digital marketing to grow their business. And since words like institute are hard to spell, one domain that's easy to find it is landscape.digital. So instead of .com, it's simply landscape.digital. Excellent. Well, good. Well, again, thanks for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new like you did today. To help accelerate your success, an easy way to do that is make this podcast part of your daily routine, whether you listen to the commute, in the gym, on your run, or as part of your morning sales meeting. 
That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Jeff Corhan, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Till next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.